Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. And welcome to The Cycle here in uh, September 2022. We're sandwiched right in the middle of everything that's taking place. We've got uh, RSEQ slash GMAA Sports, which are starting to kick off. We have uh, baseball playoffs just wrapping up and still going on in uh, some circumstances as well. Uh, Hockey season getting started at the AA, AAA, and the RSEQ level. Uh, about two, three weeks away from being started here at Gahnawagi Minor Hockey League-wise. We're going to talk about that as well. Plus a look at some football teams, including uh, Gahnawagi's own at various levels, uh, playing uh, throughout the course of the season uh, for the Shattagee Raiders and one playing in LaSalle for the LaSalle Warriors. Brian Bordo here alongside Greg Horn. Good to see you, my friend. How you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been too long since we've done one of these. <laughs> and uh, now we, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of uh, all kinds of sports ending and starting. So, yeah. So I guess one way we could start it off is by just recapping the Gonhawagi minor baseball season and a look ahead, obviously, to the team who's still playing right now, the juniors, Warhawks, the first season of the juniors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is quite the different season than Mm -hmm. we've seen last year. Uh, Last year was, uh, as we all know, was a magical season. It was was really something special. This year, things changed uh, slightly because the the teams with the age groups, they're broken up a little bit. You know, the, the, the teams that did so well last year, they're not. They're not together this year. Half of them moved up, half of them didn't in each in each age group, right? So they made a little bit of a change. And some of the players who played last year and were very successful returned to sports like lacrosse yeah. this year and didn't seem to have time for both. So, you know, it was it was a very different year for for Gunawage minor baseball teams. And I think that probably on the teams outside of Gunawage that they also saw some of their players return who may not have played over the last yeah. couple of years due to the pandemic. And so so it was a very different landscape this year, right? Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, we had uh, two teams playing eight ball this year in comparison to the one that played last year. Actually, technically had a third team playing A, but they moved, dropped down to B. Three, three of those teams at the A level all won a game, though. They all won a game. Even the 18 A's who were ended the year as the 18 B's, they won a game at the A level against another team who was dropped down further to to be as well. But so I guess that in a way that shows you that there's still plenty of talent, even if they're all being elevated up and playing against teams that, you know, are basically for all intents and purposes, double letters. Yeah. And I think that after the success of last year with three teams having basically Cinderella stories and winning it all and making it to the provincials, that that for sure people are looking at Gunawage as a hotbed for for baseball now. Yeah, definitely. I'd say I'd say so. And you look at, for example, the 13 Bs, that was Roddy Stacey's team in 2021. Jesse Lahas co- coaching that specific level, th- that specific team this year. Out of the third out of the players that were playing 13B last year, only one 
Technically one and a half because he was a call up for like the regionals, Nash and Mayo. Only two of them were playing at the 13 level. Neither of them were playing 13B. Both of them were playing for the 13As. So the defending champions at 13B returning literally zero players. Yeah. The majority of them making the jump to thir- uh, 15A. I think two were actually playing 15B, but that just shows you like it was a very talented experienced group of players that were on that team last year yeah for sure and then then you look at the 17 b's from last year you know half the team moved up to the junior level yeah so so again the the 17s for this year u18s or whatever whatever they're categorized as were a completely different complexion than last year and then you know we had the junior team you know for the first time ever and and it was combined with uh with players from shadagi yeah and you know that team is is doing quite amazing i think for for a first year team and mixed with players who probably didn't know each other before the season began yeah and there's also like some camaraderie there in a sense i was talking to one of the players from ganawage max goodleaf he knows a couple of the players previously from uh, other whether it be other sports or playing head to head or maybe school, school like that, uh, yeah. maybe all star meets etc so there is some kind of camaraderie there, and there even the fr- the two francophone players that are on the team, like they get along really well with the players from the community. And hey, they've taken uh, Gahnawagi on a magical ride. We mentioned not quite the same in 2022 as 2021 was, but we still have an opportunity to win a second championship, which would be one less than the championship we won last year. Yeah, you know, and the first the first team to win the championship this year was the U9s. The U9 purple girls team yeah they did quite spectacularly and they had such a great season and then that final game wow you know it was uh against the pink warhawks yeah the pink team and and the pink team you know played a great game against them and, and made it a game talking with uh, one of the coaches afterward tiffany mayo yeah uh she was she was just so proud of her of her team because they made such a game of it and they hadn't because they had never beat the purple team all year yeah, uh, Purple was six and zero, I think, against them. It was a quite the game to watch. I mean, I think there was uh, you know hundreds of people. I would say two hundred. Yeah, it was packed. It was. It was. I even the regionals that took place at that field last year, U thirteen Bs. There was never that many people yeah, at any of the. Games. I mean, all all the 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 stands, the bleachers, from the one behind the back catcher's position mm-hmm. to the one by the uh, above the dugout, and then to the other ones, they were they were full. It was standing room only, and then there was cars all lining the, the outfield, and it was all people cheering for everybody that was playing. It was it was amazing. Every time any player made a good play, the crowd went wild. I was actually making a joke about it because what happens is during, in between innings, what I like to do is I like to, I, I don't film while sitting down. I film standing only. And then in between innings, what I'll do is I'll go have a seat, eat one of my sweet tarts, just kick back and relax and whatever. I had no opportunity to sit down because the stands were that packed. Like the lower level right next to me, there was no room on that particular row in that particular row. And then the higher you got up, it was still packed. There yeah. were still people that it, were packed. It, it was stands. standing room only. I mean, it was, it was amazing to see, you know, the support that, that these young baseball players received from the community this year. And there's a separate, uh, by the way, congratulations to the purple team. They won that game 17-16. Pink needed six runs to tie it in the top half of the fifth inning. They got the six. 
tie game. Purple strikes out, so there's one out and a runner on first base. You're thinking like, wow, this game might actually, this game could go to extra innings. And then Memphis Mayo walked it off and sent the purple team uh, to the championship, which brings up something else that I'm actually going to do my best to address in a video more in depth. We simply don't have the time to tackle this issue with a million points here, but neither the U9 pink, the U9 purple, the U15 A's, and the U9 B mixed team, none of those teams had the opportunity to play in the regionals this year. There's something. There's a lot that we could get into, but basically what it is is that every single year through Baseball Quebec, you have to re- get recertified. Yeah, every every year. Year, like in every sport. Yeah. And this year there was a confusion on the deadline for that. And you actually, not only do you have to get recertified, unlike hockey, where you just have to take a recertification, baseball, it's the whole course, you have to redo it, you have to reread it, you have to take a look for changes. It's, according to a couple of player of people who I've spoken to, it's a much more difficult process or confusing process than hockey was. And... For, for a lot of people, because, you know, so many people are so new to baseball yeah. in the community. The deadline was different last year than it was this year. And th- this is this is a problem that affected not just Kahnawake teams, but but teams outside of Kahnawake as well. We saw that story in the Gazette. Yeah. Or- so so there was there was a few places and, and that's what it was. It was last year, the, the deadline was late July yeah. or August. And this year, the, the deadline was mid-June or, or, or the end of June. So, you know, without realizing you know that they missed the deadline a lot a lot of coaches missed the deadline and then not having the the proper certification to to move on they couldn't they couldn't go to the regionals it's amazing to think that while we were talking about the u13 u15s and u18bs triple slamming winning the regionals last year we should have been talking about a quadruple slam because the u11bs last year yes. went 13 and 3 they won 11 of their last 12 games to conclude the season. They very well could have made that like four games at Park Bedard that day instead of three. Yeah. You which know, would be even more remarkable to think. Yeah, for sure. And for baseball in the community is being so so new again, right? Yeah. Because it, you know, baseball uh, throughout the years has has gone on streaks where where there's years where there's there's baseball and then there's years where there's, there's none. And it seems like now we've, for the last you know few years, it's been on the uptick and then more and more kids are now playing baseball and we're getting kids that are, are, are way more talented and, and enjoying success at all kinds of levels. And now we're seeing that trend kind of transcend possibly into the other sports with hockey. You and I were talking about this, a record breaking amount of hockey players in KMHA this year. Yeah. You know, I think Luan was telling Jordan this year, there's about 200 more kids registered for minor hockey than there were last year. That is unbelievable. And it's there's so much now that we have players that a, a lot more of the girls specifically are playing for in outside so that they could play like within girls specific leagues. If you added all those players, if you took all those players back, I'm I'm. Pretty sure there would be like one extra team. Well, at, at I, I think those are all levels. included in the minor yeah. minor hockey. Yeah, they're included registration. in the in the tabs. But, but but at the same time, you got kids that are playing double letter and triple letter. Yes. Uh, you got kids that are playing high school hockey. Yeah. And uh, over the last few years, a choice had to be made for kids. You couldn't play hockey for your high school and play for your community. 
in the past you could do that. You could play both places. But now they're trying to beef up the high school hockey system too. Mm-hmm. And and there's 20 games plus tournaments and all these different things. So it's taxing on the athlete if they're going to play 20 high school games and then 20 plus games and, and tournaments uh, at minor hockey level. So yeah. kids have had to make a choice of if, if they're going to go out for their high school team or, or play play within the minor hockey system. At one point in time, when I when I was in high school, which I I joke around and say it was a long time ago, but when I tried out for the Billings High School team, in relatively speaking, it wasn't that long ago, long ago, 17, 18 years ago, 04, 05. In that time, the Billings High School team went from having a gym teacher as their head coach, and no, all due respects to Brian, Brian Pitts, he's one heck of an athlete, one heck of a coach, but we went from having just one coach on one team at three levels playing GMAA. That's literally, it was just, it was called GMAA at the time. And now 2022, we have video coaches. We have assistant coaches. We have a coach at every single level. We have teams that are reclassified in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, RSEQ. And there is a full-time hockey coordinator at Howard S. Billings. Literally earns his living off of being a development coach, uh, head coach, recruiter, uh, making sure that success isn't found in the classroom. They have a full-time person doing that stuff. Yeah, it's a completely different animal, right? And and kids have to work hard to make these teams, right? And because it's the now playing in, in on some of these high school hockey teams is the equivalent of playing double or triple letters. Basically, yeah. You know, so so that's why you have to make that choice. All right, am, am I going to play for for my high school or am I going to go play for one of the the Express the Sirwa teams or or whatever and uh, at, at various levels or if, or am I going to play with my buddies here at home, you know? So so you have to make that choice and for some, it's a very difficult choice whether or not they're going to go out for minor hockey or not. It was never a difficult choice for me. I was never making Express or Wap. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which, yes, do not adjust that headset. First off, yes, I actually was an athlete at one time. Second off, there is a return of the Express to Wa. There's no more double B Shaggy Cavaliers playing against da 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 da. It's the Express to Wa. It's literally players. From Gahnawake, Shadigay, Mercier, St. Martin. I believe Bohornwall might be included in this, in this one as well. And there's no limit on the amount of players from which community, from quote-unquote outside communities, I guess you could say, who ma- make the team. So that's really, that's another thing right there. Is don't forget, you have Lac St. Louis Arsenal, you have AAA players, triple letter players, and then you have the Express de Sirois returning, and it kind of more or less evens out the field. Because I remember last year when, you, if you were playing for the Shadigay Cavaliers, for example, Double B, there was only or Double A, there was only two or three players from considered as registered from outside Shadigay, whom they could have selected. Now it really kind of, I guess, for lack of better terms, encourages best of the best playing with on a, on a team. Yeah, and I think that the double letter program has evolved so much and gone through so many different versions, right? In the past, you know, where it was basically the Express Sirwa was going to be Shadiki and Mercier players and and maybe some players from Gunawaga and maybe one other place, right? Yeah. Things evolved and then the whole system changed Hockey Quebec where now it was double letters in, in, in as community teams and whatever. And then now they're going back to, back to you know, this, the regional teams for, for double and triple letters. 
which is, I think, you know, probably better. And yeah. then you have, cause there's more opportunity, I think for athletes from, from our community to make these, these teams. And we have a bunch of kids that are playing at, at these levels now. I know that like uh, a play a place like Mercy, for example, whose population may be double the size of Gunnawagi, which is not necessarily that big when you look at some of the other communities. Let's for, not forget Mercy's hockey program is like exceptional. And then they are still like maybe a quarter the population that which Shadagi gets to pick from. So you figure like it's really difficult to make those teams when you're playing against communities where the hockey is the number one sport and they're like 10 times your population. Yeah. In the past, it was, you know, sometimes St. Martin had a very strong program. The Expressive Sirois would be majority of Mercier and St. Martin players and then a few players from from Gunawaga and Shadigui. But, you know, it was always different. And, yeah. and so, you know, hopefully with this return, I think things get a little bit better and we start seeing players also want to strive to make those those teams and, and play at higher levels. And you've seen uh, some some things happen as well, just with regional associations. Like in 2017, St. Martin and Bohornwa decided to combine and become the St. Martin-Bohornwa Hockey Association because they just felt like the some of the outside teams, like the, the HRSs, uh, the Shadigis, they, they were just too big. On yeah, their own. And, and like HRS, that's that's Valley Field area, right? That's like uh, Hudson. They, it's literally HRS, like Hudson, Rigo, St. Lazar. When yeah. You take the population of those three centers. That's like, that's bigger than Vaudreuil. Yeah. So, so you know, you have all these places where they have a massive pool of players they can, they can pick from and they're playing single letters. And it makes it very, very difficult to be competitive, right? When... You know, basically everybody who signs up in, in you know places like Gonawage and Mercier make the team. Yeah. And having these changes is is hopefully gonna be leading to more positive results. And then we've seen uh in 2019, Soulange and Valleyfield combined, and that partnership ended last year. We I we didn't even get the chance to talk about this, so we're gonna do it because we have to. Uh the junior B the junior A Gonawage Warhawks in their first year of existence. They've made it to the finals of Division 2. Game 1 and 2 of that series, they happened over the weekend. There was a split. Game 3 scheduled for tonight at Park Marcel in Valleyfield. It would be 7.30. Game 4 happening Thursday, same time, same place. Best of 5 series. No confirmation yet as of the record- at this recording, so as of 12.15 or so. No confirmation as to whether or not Mother Nature's going to hold off. Let's knock on wood and yeah. hope that we get a game on a Tuesday. And, and that team going through the playoffs has been quite the ride for yes. them, playing against DDO in the first round, a team that they beat handily throughout the season, and then they get to the playoffs, and and, and DDO has some call-ups and, and making a bit more of a competitive game, and they need extra innings to get past both games. Yeah, and it didn't look like it would, like in the, the first in a game. I remember seeing you at the beginning of the game. They I, they let me on the field, which is really cool. I get to film like on the field. Warhawks scored three in the first. DDO goes silent. The Warhawks max out in the top of the second. DDO goes silent in the bottom of the second. It's 9 nothing Gunawage after two innings. And ah. they held them in check after three. It was 9 nothing into the top of the fourth. You're like, wow, they, they're... Wow, you can almost punch the ticket to the semis. And you know, I was I was on the bench taking pictures, 
And the players were like, they had this really good feeling about it. And one of the fans is like, is there a mercy rule in the playoffs? And and, and then one of, the, one of the players is like, well, we're about to find out. And then things we changed. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't find out. Uh, game one of this is a first game of the playoffs, remember? And game originally what was supposed to be game one was quote unquote forfeited by DDO. And then the league realized it made an error. So necromancy is re- used to revive game one and that seven, nothing game one default decision awarded to the Warhawks no longer counts. So now we're playing game one in DDO. The Warhawks have a 10, four lead in the bottom of the seventh inning. This is the last chance for the Expos. DDO puts two, two runners aboard. They load the bases. They score two runs. It's 10, six, four straight walks issued out by Warhawks pitchers. It's 10-10 now, and there's a full count. And there's a very, very, very late reaction by the umpire as the pitch, the batter does not swing at the full count pitch. Says strike three. We're going to extra innings. Milwaukee scores two. And then in the bottom of the eighth inning, with the runner going to third base, the catcher, Julien LeBerge, picks off the guy trying to steal third. Two outs, bases empty, Warhawks win game one. Warhawks win game two, coming back from a 4-1 game. They tie it up with uh, some late-inning magic. And then the aforementioned LaBerge walks the thing off with a bases-loaded infield single. Obviously, the Expos were playing for the double play because they could not surrender a run. So that brings us to St. Estash. Game one, again, looking very, very easy. Like Gunawagi does not score. Both teams are scoreless in two innings. They score four in the first. They score four in the second. They score five in the third. They win 13-1. Going to be easy, but you got to realize just how tricky it is to kind of bring momentum game into game out, especially when you have some uh, a day off or two in between. And the Bisons played game two, I think it was last Saturday here at the Field of Dreams. And this was a spirited game. The Warhawks jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. You figure like, okay, you know, maybe... They are destined to advance. Nobody told that to the Bisons. They score four in a row to tie it up, 4-4. Game's tied at five, bottom of the fifth inning. Lucas Dybo, clutch infield, or clutch single to right field. Warhawks take the lead, and the pitching staff held it from there. So that brought us to the final. Uh, game one, not a whole lot of positive things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that was the rain all week last week prevented the Warhawks from practicing. Yep. And... You know, have, having a week off and with no opportunities to practice definitely showed, you know, and, and they just couldn't get their bats going. It was just it was just one of those games where the quicksand started and they kept on the harder they tried, the more it seemed that they couldn't get things done and, you know, ended 13-1. Yeah, a 13-1 win for Maltry Z West, a.k.a. Valleyfield. I have the actual score sheet or my rough copy of the score sheet, the game sheet. Four base hits for the Warhawks, three errors, and in the top of the first inning, three reds were hit by pitches. That just shows it. It was really like a rest versus rust kind of thing. But we talk about how difficult it is to carry momentum from game to game. Game two, the Warhawks win 3-2. <laughs> they no. take a 3 nothing lead. They get a complete game performance, a five-hitter by Kobe Lavalier, the starting pitcher. Cole Snow, two for three. Max Goodleaf, clutch hit. I mean, it's really hard to bring the momentum you get from game one to game two. We saw that in the last series with St. Estash. 
we see in this series too. Yeah, you know the Warhawks, they 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 wanted to having game two at home again because all all year up to the playoffs it was one and one. Yeah, you know, and and so now you have two games at home and you lose pretty badly in front of uh, a lot of hometown fans. So Sunday afternoon they're like, oh, we we got we have to come out strong, and they played a hell of a defensive game. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while there it was like, okay, it's only one nothing, it's only one nothing. You know, and then finally they get two more runs to, yeah. to make it three nothing. And it was just one of those games where like, okay, if Valleyfield has has a strong inning, it could be it. Yeah. Right. Or if they have a strong offensive inning and 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 their bats really start going, then they're gonna they're gonna bury them. And it didn't look that that promising. It was three nothing on Hawaii heading to the top of the sixth. Leadoff hitter singles, steals second. The second hitter strikes out, but the ball gets past the catcher, and he reaches first base. You got runners on the corners, two sacrifice flies, but the bases are empty. And like you said, the Warhawks defensively played just an outstanding game. The next batter gets a single, but then the last batter of the inning flies out, and this is a loud flyout. We're talking like 300 feet away from home plate kind of flyout. Warhawks hang on and win 3-2. So you want to know the coordinates of the next couple of games. Game four is scheduled Thursday night, Park Marseille Valley Field, 730. Game five at Field of Dreams, Saturday, game time TBA at this point. And that's all weather weather permitting. If Tuesday night's game gets rained out, then Thursday night's game becomes game three, and then you know we'll figure that out, right? Yeah. So let's uh let's hope that we get a game on a Tuesday. The last time the Warhawks were actually able to play a game on a Tuesday. They sent the DDO Expos home because they thought DDO didn't have enough eligible players. And that just tells you, like, uh, even talking to the mixed softball league gang here in Gahnawage, they're saying that it's unbelievable the amount of Tuesday night games that have gotten rained out Yeah, throughout the course of the year. And again, the Gahnawage mixed softball league finals are still in question. They would normally be playing tonight, but I haven't seen anything on the schedule. Everybody's waiting on the weather and uh, whether or not it can be rained out. Uh, Resbirds winning game one by all accounts, a terrific back and forth game, which saw the birds take down CMC 14 to 11 game two would be tonight. And if necessary, game three would be tomorrow, but let's hope that the weather just holds off. Just, just hold off until tomorrow night. Just hold off until yeah, tomorrow night. Yeah. And then give us a break Thursday so we can have game four of the junior Warhawks series. Well, we got to do this more often, eh? Yes. We really do. With all these sports starting back up and resuming, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We didn't even get the chance to talk Black St. Louis Arsenal. We're five Gahnawake around who are on the team. We didn't even get the chance to tell you who's playing where are in RSEQ, a.k.a. GMAA hockey. We didn't have the opportunity to do that. We didn't get the chance to talk about football. Uh, there's so many standout Gahnawake around playing in various sports throughout various leagues. We promise we'll do our best to keep you on top of everything. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks time here on The Cycle. Brought to you by Yerdiwaze and Baby Blue Memories. For Greg Horn, I'm Brandon Bordeaux. White. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of Yerdiwaze and its employees.